0: I'm Kara Infante, and this is Bookish Flights. In each episode, I chat with one bookish guest as we take some time to sample and savor the pairing recommendations from their bookish flight. We hope to give you suggestions to cultivate your TBR list and nurture your leisure time through books. In today's episode, I'm chatting with Ginny Coaches. Ginny writes books for the unique and unrepeatable for teens and adults who don't quite fit the mold. She tells stories about love, friendship, faith, and family, starring differently-wired characters. Since 2006, Ginny has supported Christian families raising differently-wired children through her online community, Not So Formulaic. She has been a contributing writer for Fat Brain Toys, The Mighty, Catholic Mom, and GHF. A former high school English teacher and adjunct professor of developmental English, Ginny has over 20 years of experience teaching writing and literature. While Ginny lives in Northern Virginia with her husband and three children, she's happiest on the shores of the Noose River. All she needs is her family splashing around in the water and a good book in her hand. Blink and Will Miss It is her fictional debut. Welcome to the show, Ginny.
1: Hi, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: Yes. Thank you so much. Well, we have your lovely bio here, but I feel like we're so (laughs) much more than that. So can you tell us a little bit more about who you are?
1: Um, yeah, I, you know, I have three kids. Um, I, I think that was probably in my bio, but anyway, (laughs) (laughs) um, no, each one of them, um, has, um, his or her own quirk. Um, they're, you know, they're all three of them are twice exceptional. So they're, um, Intellectually gifted, but also um, they have developmental or learning differences. So my oldest, um, she is um, 16. She's autistic. Um, Like, I guess that the buzzword now would be high functioning, but I don't like that term. Um, You know, she's, she's one of those kids where like, if you didn't know, you wouldn't know. Um, but, uh, so that's, but that's been a journey, you know, getting her there. And then my, my two younger, um, a 12 year old girl and an eight year old boy, and they have anxiety and OCD, um, and probably ADHD, but we haven't had those (laughs) diagnosed yet. So, um, you know, they come by it, honestly, you know, they come from a long line of, um, of smart um you know creative quirky people my husband is um super brilliant i mean i'm i'm okay i'm <laughs> probably the least intelligent person in the house <laughs> um but uh but yeah it's you know it's it's fun it's um it's always busy there's never a dull moment for sure um and yeah i am a reader um i love reading um i love you know, exercising. Um, that's kind of like my therapy. <laughs> I feel you on that um, one. <laughs> getting up in the morning and working out. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, uh, yeah, I'm definitely a beach person. Um, my mother's family is from a small town, um, in North Carolina called Minnesota beach. Well, Arapahoe is like the, the greater town and the Minnesota beach is like this little hamlet within it. Um, okay. and so I spent my summers, um, just actually I spent my summers basically living there, um, you know, cause my family would go down, um, and stay in this little house that my grandmother had, um, had built in the 1950s. And so, um, yeah, my family history down there goes back to like the 17th century. So wow. one summer, I, I think the summer I was 10, I got really fascinated by the whole, uh, family tree down there. So I spent years just kind of combing through, um, the genealogy and, um, but my family, my, my great, great grandfather had like 15 kids. So the area is populated. I mean, the area is populated with my family. Um, so I have all kinds of like distant relatives and cousins down there. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's me. I mean, uh, my husband's yeah. from Texas. So, you know. Okay. <laughs> my dad from Texas originally. Um, you know, my mom's from North Carolina. So I live in, I live outside DC, but I'm a Southern girl,
0: I think at heart. Well, I have found that that's so impressive as you're talking that as a 10 year old, you were so interested in your family tree. Cause now, yeah, as I'm older and I don't have, you know, some of my older family members are not around anymore. And I'm like, well, I have mm-hmm. some of these questions about our family tree, but who do I talk sure. to about right. it? So I, I'm so impressed that as a 10 year old, I wish I'd had that foresight, right? Like as a 10 year old, like, no, ask the questions why these people are yeah. still here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think we're, because my, that that side of my family is so
1: huge there. I'm lucky in that, like I'm looking over on my bookshelf, there's this huge, um, compendium of, um, my family tree. It's like this, it's about probably four oh. inches thick. Um, and it's just everybody who was in that branch of the family, like, and, and it was put together probably in the late seventies, early eighties. Um, so it has the listing of oh, yeah. everybody all the way back from the first guy who came over here. Um, so I guess wow. in that sense, it was a little easier for me because the area itself, um, and I kind of wrote this into my book, like the, the area itself, if you're born there, you kind of stay there. Um, okay. and, you know, and your, your kids, you know, stay there, um, you know, with the exception of my mother, <laughs> you know, my mom <laughs> did leave, um, you know, and, and in, um, in Blink and We'll Miss It, you know, the main characters, her mom leaves too. So I guess it was easier for me in that sense. It was all right there just for the picking. I didn't really have to do that much digging. So
0: well, and I also love the first part of what you talked about of just finding the right terminology of how you want to describe. And I love your aspect of the differently wired children, right? And, oh, um, yeah. And just that we're all made how we are and we're all beautiful people, right. right? And like sometimes there can be such negative connotations around the terminology that might be there. So I really Absolutely. think it's beautiful what you're doing of, you know, really. Oh, thank you between your book that you've written and now I've kind of explored your website a little bit. Um, And just, I think it's amazing what you're doing.
1: Well, thank you. Yeah. Thanks. It's important to me. I think um, one of the things about that I discovered, you know, as I was researching my family history is the, the history of mental illness that came down through the line, Um, especially my grandmother and her three sisters, Um, each one of them had their own little quirk, um, and probably today they would have been diagnosed with anxiety depression, um, definitely some OCD. Um, but I had my one, um, my one great aunt, um, she was a paranoid schizophrenic and she, um, I wanted actually to, to name our oldest after her, but you know, the, the reaction in the family was like, no, you, you really can't, um. And I started to question like, why, why? (laughs) And it was because, you know, everybody thought of her as kind of, you know, this crazy old lady who was convinced everybody was trying to kill her. And she, you know, um, she got in a car accident and was convinced that somebody had, um, had cut her brake lines, which wasn't the case. Um, she actually, you know, she was married. Um, she ended up divorcing and then was in an institution for a while. Um, and I just, my heart kind of always hurt for her because she, um, she was such a beautiful woman, you know, and I've seen, I've seen pictures of her, but nobody talks about her. Um, and I just, I, I think that kind of brought home the whole, like, well, I have children who are just, you know, who are similar to these women who came before me. Um, you know, and, and I don't want them ever to be viewed as, um, not good enough, or I don't want them to view themselves as not good enough. So yeah. I think that became the impetus for um, really starting that part of of what I do. Um, the whole, you know, differently wired community um, of just embracing the way our brains are made um, and knowing that, you know, because because they were made that way from the beginning, um, they're good, and yeah. um, you know, we're not we're not in spite of. Um, but because of, you know, we are who we are because of the way we were
0: made, not Mm -hmm. in spite of it. And I think broadly too, like the way I'm, the way that message is hitting me is they could be completely just misunderstood. Right. And for them, this is just that this is how we're wired. We're all, we are all wired differently really. Right. Right, But it's like, it's Mm -hmm. these terms of these societal terms maybe, or the history of mental illness that it could, you know, that negative connotation that can go around that can be so misunderstood. Right. And maybe even like dismissed, right. Like you hear that and you just dismiss this person and that's
1: yeah. And you just write them off, which you wouldn't do if somebody told you they had diabetes, because, you know, to me, it's very similar, you know, diabetics, type one diabetics, especially take insulin, you know, to help because, their bodies, you know, regulate their blood sugar levels because their pancreas doesn't make enough insulin. Well, you know, in my family, our brains don't make enough serotonin. So, you know, we take medication to help replace, you know, what our brains don't make. Um, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just in the way, the way the body is made. So yeah, I think, um, there is a stigma. There's not as much of a stigma as there used to be. Um, I think fortunately, I think mental health, awareness has come a long way. Um, I don't know that I would say that our country's like our medical system's ability to handle it, um, has quite caught up, um, you know, especially with the pandemic, you know, waiting lists for therapists and all of that kind of stuff are still so astronomically long. I do think it's important, you know, to make sure that, you know, that that stigma continues to be, um, lessened and that people are allowed to, um, love themselves for who they are. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. And I think, you're exactly right. My husband is in the military and he, he was a physical therapist as well. I know I had mentioned that mm-hmm. to you, but he, he said like the wait list for the mental health providers where he works, it's just out of control. Yeah. Right. And yeah. the wait lists. And, um, so it's, while it's great, we have awareness. Now we really need to improve the access to care. I think yeah, for these, I agree. you know, for the, those that need it. So I agree. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about your Blink When You Miss It. I read that and I think I i don't know at what mark of the book I was reading it on my Kindle, but I couldn't put it down. <laughs> Just oh. again, like I have to know what's going to happen. <laughs> well, I'm glad. Yeah. I'm so, glad that you enjoyed it. I loved it. So, Tan, can you tell us a little bit about the book and tell our, you know, the listeners um, a little yeah. background on it?
1: Yeah. Um, so it's, this always trips me up because I'm like, people are like, tell me about your book. And then I'm suddenly like, uh, <laughs> I can't ever think about how to, I mean, cause you know, you spend all these years writing it and it's this huge thing. And then all of a sudden you have to condense it down into this little blurb. Um, essentially it's the story of a girl who learns to love who she truly is and, and the abilities that she has, um, and the quirks that make her and her mother who they are, um, through the help of, you know, her friends and her family, um, there are, um, there's a, an element of magical realism to it. She can, um, she has what she calls blinks, which are moments where she just kind of slips into the past, not as an active participant, but as an observer, um, where she's able to see, um, things that have occurred in the spaces where she is in the present, um, in the past. So, you know, she has moments where she sees, um, you know, her, her ancestors, um, you know, interacting with one another. Um, she gets glimpses of her mother, um, as a teen. Um, and you know, at, at first, um, you know, it's clear to her, like when she's having these moments, um, but then as the book goes on, you know, reality and and those moments start to blend and it's hard for her to tell exactly what's going on until she's right in the middle of it. Um, but she, uh, you know, she's from, she, her mother's bipolar. Um, a kind of an untreated bipolar. Um, and she's spent most of her childhood, she's 17, kind of raising her mom. Um, so it's in reverse, really. And um, she her mom has a a pretty much a psychotic break, and she ends up back in the small town where her mom grew up um, with her grandparents and seeing again for the first time some friends that she had developed um when they lived there previously. Who she just completely broke off all contact with because she had started to have these blinks, um, and she was afraid that she was also losing her mind like her mother. Um, so when she returns to this small town, Minnesota, um, she has to deal not only with um, her mother being in the hospital, but also with the friends she left behind and the you know the broken relationships there. Um, she has to deal with you know that her, her grandfather's expectations for her, um, her own sort of fears around what's happening to her. And then there's some family secrets that come to light. Um, so yeah, it's a lot, you know, it's, a, um, it, like I said, it took me probably about three years, um, to write. And there were many, many rewrites where I was like, no, this isn't working. I'm scrapping this and starting over. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so, um, but it's it's definitely it's a labor of love and it's um it's a it's a love letter I think to my family history to my mom to my grandmother to her sisters um, to that town um, because I do you know I really love that place um, with all my heart so um, it, the book is special to me um, and I was I I've been really pleased by the response I've been getting, the reviews have been phenomenal. And I was featured. Um, the book was featured in the Pittsburgh post-gazette
0: as a cool summer read
1: pick. And I don't even know anybody in Pittsburgh. So (laughs) I was like, wow, (laughs) <laughs> this people feels outside my- <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, there's that validation of like people you don't I mean, because you know, you write a book and you you're an indie publisher and then you know you tell your friends and your friends read it and it's like, yay. But then, you know, when people who you you don't know at all read the book and then like not only that, they you know write it up in a newspaper, like a major newspaper, that's like wow, huge. So that has to be um, such a
0: cool feeling.
1: <laughs> I was on Cloud9 for a couple of days for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah
0: it was it's a beautiful read listeners it's called blink and you'll miss it or blink and will miss it excuse me yeah Um, that's okay and so you should totally pick it up it it actually it's a young adult book correct it is yeah
1: Yeah. um but I think, well, cause the protagonist, she's 17. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, somebody described it as kind of living in that space between young adult literature and women's fiction. Um, okay. which I think is, you know, I think that's a fair comparison. Um, there is a romance, um, but it's definitely a clean romance. Um, so, because I wanted to write something that I felt comfortable letting my daughters read. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I made sure that, you know, that was appropriate and I, my daughter, um, she actually did the cover illustration for me. So that makes it extra special, I think, because yeah. um, my daughter's an artist.
0: It's absolutely beautiful. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Listeners, like you have to go, even if you're like, I don't know that I'll read it, but oh, yeah. cover, it's <laughs> <Thanks>. so beautiful. <laughs> Thanks. You're <proud> of her. <laughs> um, as far as the book, I, I loved the themes of what you're saying of how the people in the story rallied around her just to show her that they Mm -hmm. loved her for who she was and that she, you know, that fear that she was having about, um, you know, maybe she was going to be having the psychotic Mm -hmm. break, like her mom and just how they rallied around her to show her they, they loved her through who they were or for who she was and, and almost had some transformational stories themselves. I thought that was very beautiful. Yeah, I mean, that's,
1: that was one of the, you know, I, I think, you know, the unconditional love. Um, you know, the reality of what it really means to forgive someone. Um, not just, you know, the the her friends forgiving her, but also, you know, May, my main character, being able to like forgive her mother, forgive herself, forgive um, you know, her yeah. her grandfather ultimately, um, you know, for some things that occurred. Um, and just you know learning what it what it really means to be human and to you know accept who we are. Um and I I wrote this specifically for um for kids, you know, and adults who have always sort of felt on the margins and not really um like they were um welcome anywhere or just kind of you know sort of an out of the out of the box thinkers who don't always feel like they fit in. Yeah. I wanted to be able to show um, a young woman who can identify with that, um, but then ultimately just learns to be at home with herself and with her family, you know, even with all their quirks and difficulties and, you know, with her mother's, um with her mother's illness, that was important to me to be able to, to let my readers know that they're not alone. Um, so,
0: yeah. I think that that is such a hard part yeah. of the teenage years, right? Of you're not quite at home are confident in who you are sure. as a person yet. And so grappling with where you're going to fit. In yes. This world, yeah. Right. And which I feel like now that I'm older, I don't right. care as much about fitting in right. Cause I'm more confident in who I am, but it's a journey.
1: It is for sure. Especially yeah. when you add in, um, you know, being differently wired um, because you're acutely aware that you're not like everybody else, you know, or the, the, the standard typical, Teen, um, you know, and and that that makes an already, I mean, teens already feel like they're not like everybody else. But then you know, you add in, yeah. you add in ADHD, you add in anxiety, you add in autism, um, you know, you add in even just giftedness, you know, and some of the things that come along with being super super smart. Like then you're you're even more aware of the fact that you really are not like everybody else. Um, yeah, and that can be that can be really devastating. So um yeah. yeah, it's important for me. Well, now we
0: have this beautiful book
1: oh, in the world you. to help. Yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> to my help
0: hope these, you know, like you said, feel like they're not alone yeah. out there too. I I think that's being human, right? It's just sometimes right. hearing you are not alone when yeah. you're thinking. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, did you learn anything about yourself as you wrote this book? Oh, yeah.
1: I mean, I <laughs> <laughs> um, the book is dedicated actually to my therapist, um, who I've finally, I mean, cause I've, I've been on medication for years. Um, but I never really, I didn't start seeing a therapist until, um, until the pandemic, because I was like, you know, I, I cannot function. I need help with this, um, with all the yeah. things that I'm feeling. So I, um, I found a therapist and started seeing her and, um, I was such, I am, I am, I'm I'm what I call a lazy perfectionist, which I think is part of, um, I mean, I, I am, I'm diagnosed as having generalized anxiety disorder and I'm diagnosed as having depression. I've never been diagnosed with ADHD, but I'm pretty sure I have it. Um, because of that whole lazy perfectionism, like I, I have that whole avoidance thing down, you know, I, I want everything to be perfect, but I'm afraid of doing the work to get there, or I get hyper fixated on one specific aspect of what I'm doing, and then I can't let it go. Um, and I was doing that with the book, you know, I was, I was writing, I'd write like three chapters and then I'd start over from the beginning and I'd rewrite them and then I'd get maybe another chapter in, and then I'd have to start over and go back and rewrite from the beginning. And I was getting absolutely nowhere and I was spinning my wheels. And the, the truth of the matter is this book has been in my head for probably 20 years or so. Um, and I'd written Whoa. when I was in graduate school, I'd written like an initial iteration of it. Um, but that totally, I mean, it totally became something different, but um, you know, my therapist was like, okay, you're, this is what we need to do. We need to take small steps to get you to move forward. Because I was even, we were at the time we were switching from homeschooling, we'd been homeschooling for like eight years to putting the kids in school. And um, I was even avoiding like going online and filling out the forms. I mean, there was this whole like circle of avoidance with everything. Um, And this constant refrain of, you know, I'm not good enough. I'm stupid. I'm worthless. Um, So she had me We did a lot of cognitive behavioral therapy, um, but she had me like set little miniature goals for myself. Um, and with the writing, one of those goals was to write for, you know, X amount of time and then without stopping, without rereading what I'd written, um, just writing and getting it done and then putting it away and then coming back the next day and picking up where I left off, not rereading what I had done. Um, and which is funny because, you know, as a writing teacher, that's advice that I gave my students all the time, but somehow it didn't apply to me. Like, you know, because I was above that. We're our own worst enemies (laughs) sometimes,
0: aren't we? Yeah, exactly.
1: I thought, you know, I should be able to just sit down and, and, you know, make this perfect from the get-go. And that is not at all how writing works. It doesn't, um, it doesn't work that way. So, you know, I, I learned a lot about, um, my ability to overcome my fears, um, my ability to overcome my perfectionism. Um, you know, I, and I, I look back at the book sometimes, you know, I'll, I'll pick up and reread a section or something. And I, I don't even remember writing the words, which is strange to me. Um, but I think that's because I, I don't know if I just got into like the, the story just started to flow eventually once I let go of all the things I was afraid of. Um, and in, in, when I wasn't trying to fine tune it all from the get go, from the start, um, the characters just became real in my head. And it was so much easier to write them when I didn't have a chokehold on what I was trying to do. Um, and I notice, you know, I'm working on a, on a prequel actually to it right now. Um, and it's, it's the same process. Like I have to remind myself, this doesn't have to be perfect from the start. Like I don't need to have a chokehold on this. I just need to tell Nathan and Dewitt's story um, and let them be who they are, you know? (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, I think that's a testament of your strength, right. And just your perseverance to overcome all of, all of the, you were internally battling. Right. And, and I think this all the time of, books that I read that I can only imagine this is like birthing another baby into this it world, is. right? Like you're putting your thoughts, <laughs> tears, like yeah. love, all of what you have into these stories and you're releasing that publicly yeah. for others to read. Scary. And so I think, yeah, that is really admirable. And I don't watch much TV. So writers are like my heroes yeah. <laughs> which is why we're here with a book podcast. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's, that's incredible. Oh, thank you. Thanks. So kudos to you. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have anything that you wish that you would have known when you started? Like knowing everything you know now about writing this book, Gosh. if you could go back and tell yourself, you know, one thing.
1: Um, I think that I, the reality that it would get finished, you know, and that it, it would get out there, and that it it would, you know, even if you know, it's not going to be everybody's cup of tea, and that's okay, you know. Um. Yeah. Books are not supposed to be like nothing is supposed to be universally liked by everyone. I mean, that's just not how. I mean, yeah. that's why we have different tastes in music, different styles of music. Um, you know, that's why there's different forms of dance and art. Um, you know, because we all have, we all have, art that speaks to us in different ways. Um, so, you know, I, I think I was so afraid of, you know, people not liking it, but you know, I think I would tell myself that that doesn't matter you know, and, and what matters is, you know, yeah. the people who needed this book are the ones who are going to read it and the ones who are going to enjoy it and the ones who are going to draw something from it. So, and, and that's what matters most.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with you. The last quote I gave in the show is along the lines of like, a, a book comes into our life when we most need mm-hmm. it. And, and I truly believe yeah. that, right? And And we could sit here and say, that's God, right, right, right. It's directing, he's landing this book in our lap for the moment that we need to hear that message that comes from this book. And so I I think the same thing, right, of even if there's a book, maybe I read that I, I don't Mm -hmm. love from the outset, I'm like, this maybe just isn't the season of my life to read this. And so that doesn't mean it's, not going to work for me. It just maybe doesn't work for me right, right. now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I agree a hundred percent. And, and that's a good point is that, you know, what we need, um, kind of changes, you know, along with our tastes, you know, and our, um, yeah. our interests as we
0: grow and change as people. So. So now that your book is out in the world, do you have any upcoming events or things you're doing with the book? Um, you know, that's,
1: I think I'm just trying to, um, survive right now. Like <laughs> I haven't planned any book signings or anything like that. Um although I do have um I do have I have some friends who are opening a bookstore. So my hope is that Yay. they will, you know, invite me for reading. I think they will, most likely. Um so or even just, you know, like a signing or something like that. Um and then I kind of I think I let my anxiety get the best of me on this one is that, you know, I, I had approached, um, our local library has, um, signings for local authors and I, you know, contacted them and expressed interest, but then I kind of dropped the ball. Cause I was like, I don't know. What if no one shows up? So <laughs> I have to get over that hurdle. Yeah. I guess like my plans next, um, are to just, you know, get over my fear of showing up. Um, so those are my plans yeah. Yeah, just to work on my anxiety. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I totally. I think that that is so natural, though. Even when I, with this podcast, when I started reaching out to authors to come on the show, like I had to have this whole, like, I don't know, couple weeks where I went through, like, they might not respond. Yes. And that's okay. Right. Like I had to get over that, like, I might be rejected. Right. Or I might not hear from anybody. And I think that that is completely natural as human. Right. Like, Mm And to not take it personal, right? right? Like that was like what I had to talk myself into is it's not personal. It's not personal.
1: Yeah, no, it's not. Yeah. And and not everything is about me either. Like, you know, I have to, I, have a, I think we have, a, or at least I have a tendency to like view the world through like everybody is, well, you know, if, if people don't show up, it's because um, they don't like me or or this, that, or the other. But in the reality reality of it, like that's not true at all. It has nothing to do with me. Um, You know, it has everything to do with, you know, what their own schedules are, or, you know, even if, um, if they don't know me at all, you know, they can't not like me because they haven't met me. Maybe they just didn't hear about the event. Yeah. Like, you know, I have to, I, my brain has to, I have to control my brain from taking like ridiculous leaps <laughs> that, you know, my imagination yeah. sometimes run, runs away with me, I think.
0: Well, I hope you get there I hope you. you can, you know, talk yourself off. But I, I know I have 100% been there myself. Yeah. So I know I know it's something to work through. Right. <laughs> um, well, let's switch gears a little bit okay. then, and let's talk a little bit about who you are as a reader okay. and what type of books you enjoy reading.
1: I really love um, character-driven stories. Um, those have always been, I think, kind of what I've been drawn to. Um, I mean, and of course, like I, I love stories that have a good plot. But I feel like, um, and this is kind of the the perspective i take with my own writing i feel like um you know the characters beliefs about themselves and the journey that those characters go on that is you know intricate intricately entwined i don't know if that even makes sense but it's it's connected it's interconnected with the plot itself um so yeah. which is essentially what a character-driven you know um storyline is so um I tend to gravitate toward those kinds of books.
0: If you had a book that you didn't like the character, can mm-hmm. you? Does that turn you away from the book, or do you still stick with it?
1: You know i i think I think you can have an unlikable character um, and still see the value in that character's growth and development. Um, yeah, you know, I think um, one of my favorite authors, um Emily Henry. She once talked about yeah. um in her, her book People We Meet on Vacation. I think she was worried. Okay. Um I read an interview, she was worried about how people would receive Poppy, um, because she was kind of unlikable. Um but I think a lot of us are unlikable, you know, in our in our most raw, most vulnerable form. Um because we all come with baggage. You know, we all come with these these things that impact who we are. So I think a character can be unlikable and still be someone that you root for. Um like even like if you go back to classic literature, like Sidney Carton um from a Tale of Two Cities, really unlikable character. Um, I mean, the guy's a loser. He's a drunk. He doesn't um he doesn't see himself as worth anything. He, I mean, he's brilliant, but he's wasting his talents. Um, he's He's an unlikable jerk of a guy. Um, but yeah. as the story goes on, you see him grow and change. And by the end, like when he, I mean, I don't know if this is a huge spoiler or not, but he, like, he ends up sacrificing his life for the woman that he loves, who he knows he's not worthy of, or he feels he's not worthy of. Um, but she, I mean, he can't have her anyway, cause she's already married to somebody else, but he, he gives up his life for her, um, so that she can have a full happy life, you know, with her husband and, you know, you're at least I was crying, you know, and I, when I used to teach it in the classroom, yeah. I taught it to ninth graders, like even the boys would get a little like choked up <laughs> because, you know, you're <laughs> this guy that you really hated. Um, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, you're such a wonderful person. Um, so I, you know, I, I think the short answer is yes. Um, if there's an unlikable character, I will keep reading because, um, invariably if the book is, if the book is well-written, re- well well-written, um, you're going to see a shift and a change to make that character more relatable or, or, you know, somebody that you can empathize with. Um, and in fact, I just read, there was a YA book I read a couple of months ago, um, Lola at last by JC Cervantes. And I really could not stand Lola for like the first third of the book. I was like, I don't know if I can get through this. She is so selfish and self-absorbed and and vapid vapid. I can't even say the word right. Um, But then there was that moment where she like the light bulb went on and she changed and like and she didn't it didn't happen overnight i mean there was like this this gradual shift um but it's one of the best books i've ever read so you know i I think wow i i think it's worth it to stick it out
0: yeah okay all right (laughs) and then i think i interrupted you or you were going to tell me your go-to genre
1: when i was younger I, i was really into mysteries well i mean growing up, I was into like Mary Downing Han and all the the ghost stories. And then I shifted into, um, yeah. you know, mysteries, especially like cozy murder mysteries, um, and then thrillers. And then I stopped reading once I had kids. And it was like, I don't really have time for any of this that is not um, child related. <laughs> so but then um, when I started my blog, you know, I got back into it a little bit. But I think what really pushed me back into reading was um, the the start of the pandemic. And I started reading believe it or not, romance, because I was like, I need some light and like beauty and yeah. fun. <laughs> you know, I need some happiness. Yep. Um, so I, I really got into the, the romance genre. Um, and then from that, I started reading like some YA, um, like contemporary YA, YA romance. Um, and I found that I really enjoyed it, even though I was reading about teenagers and I'm a grown adult. Um, you know, I, I think there's so much in YA literature that is still valuable. Um, you know, it, it reminds yeah. us of who we were, um of who we've become. And then it um I I find that YA books tend to be more character driven. Um and since I like okay since I like character driven stories, um, you know, I think I gravitate toward them. Um so and and I think that's why I ended up because my book started out being um an adult novel. And then the more I wrote May, um it was supposed to be like her story as an adult with flashbacks to her like her youth. But the more I wrote okay. her as a teen, the more I was like, I really like this voice. You know, I don't I wasn't really vibing, I guess, with the with the adult voice that I had for her.
0: I think that as readers, it's very hard to pick one genre. Yeah. Of yeah. Books that we read. Right. Because like you said, we change. Yeah. Over time and in different seasons of life, things will speak to us differently. So I think. That is definitely not a short answer. Yeah. Like question nor- normally. But you have so also so graciously prepared a book flight for us yes. today. Can yes. you tell us a little bit maybe how they paired together or how you chose these three books? Sure. Um, so
1: you know, because I because of my own history of, you know, mental health issues and my family's mental health issues, I tend to gravitate toward books that um portray, you know, mental health issues in a positive light, especially um, you know, as a YA author you know, from a YA perspective. So, um, I chose three young adult novels. Um, and then the first one is this might get awkward by Kara McDowell. Um, and she is one of my favorite, um, YA authors. Um, she's, um, she also has her own struggles, you know, with anxiety. And so each one of her books has some element of that in it. Um, and in this might get awkward, the the main character, Gemma, has major social anxiety. She just doesn't like to be around other people. So she, um, she goes to the beach one afternoon before school starts just to be by herself only to find out that like all the popular kids from school are there. And, um, yeah. (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) Before she can like, and, and she like, she gets, um, like she goes into the bathroom to change or something. I don't know. And she comes back and like all the kids' cars have like parked around her. So she can't even get out of the parking lot. So she's stuck. Um, and to make matters worse, this boy that she's been crushing on for years, um, comes up and starts like talking to her, which a is she's never, you know, she never would have expected. And then B he's like, look, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to prevent pretend like we're really close. And then he grabs her, puts his arm around her, takes a photo with the two of them together and then it's like, Hey, thank you so much. And then he like walks off while she, while she's standing there thinking what the heck just happened and trying to control her breathing and not throw up because of the social anxiety piece. Um, She sees him slip and fall um, from a boat into the water, hit his head and not come back up. And nobody notices except for her. Um, So she waits and she waits and she waits and she's like, isn't anybody going to see him? You know, Oh my gosh, where did he go? Finally, she just, dives in the water, goes down there, finds him, pulls him up. And then suddenly not only is she a hero, but he had posted their photo to to Instagram. And so everybody thinks that they're dating. So then it becomes this huge thing where like the news media wants to get involved and her family thinks they're dating. And she keeps trying to tell people that that's not the truth, but the more, you know, outside forces get involved The more difficult it is for her to tell the truth because she's so anxious. Um, So basically, you know, suddenly she's got this, you know, this boyfriend, this popular life, and but she really hates it, and she can't figure out like how to get herself out of the situation. So,
0: um, oh my gosh, as you're talking, I can like almost feel like that anxiety (laughs) that she feels as you're saying. Um, So um, she does learn how to conquer it, and
1: and that's why I think it's great because it's you know it, it's helping anxious kids see that you know yes this moment in and of itself is horrific and you know it feels like it's going to last forever, but it doesn't. You can get past it. Yeah. You can learn to manage this and be okay.
0: Um, okay. So well, that sounds even like it would be a really great summer read. Yes, it is. Well.
1: It's definitely a summer read. Okay. Um, and then there's uh, the unlikely hero of Room 13B. By Teresa Totten. And so Adam Spencer Ross meets um Robin Plummer in his um Young Adult OCD support group. They both have OCD. And he okay. is like totally drawn to her. And he um really just kind of falls for her right then and there. But she's just been released from a residential psychiatric program. Um, and he feels like he has to save her kind of from herself, from relapsing. Um, You know, and in the blurb, it says, you know, he's got to save Robin or dry or die trying. Um, But then the question is, you know, is it really Robin who needs rescuing? Um, And is it possible to have a normal relationship when your life is anything but? Because the whole thing is, you know, his OCD impacts every single aspect of his life, you know? And, and not only that, like his mother's been getting these threatening letters in the mail, Um, you know, she's a, she's a single mom. Um, His dad has a, um, a new family Well, he's, he's remarried. They have a son who, um, Adam is beginning to notice is exhibiting very similar characteristics and symptoms to the ones that he has. And so he feels like, oh my gosh, I've got to protect this little kid from becoming me. So he's got this, I mean, one of the things that people don't understand about OCD is the the idea of, um, intrusive thoughts and the, the compulsions, it's not always about like washing your hands. 50 times over or being afraid of germs. It's about, you know, these fixations that you can't let go of. Um, and so, you know, Robin and his little brother and everything that's going on with his mom, those become fixations. Um, but it's, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful story and I love it. Um, and she wrote it, the author wrote it after she attended, uh, some kind of, I forget what it was. Um, she heard a, a young man with OCD give a presentation um, about his experiences and his struggles. And then after that, she was very um, inspired to write this novel. So
0: um, yeah, wow. it's a good book. It sounds like, I love the part where you flip it of like, well, who really needed the saving, right? right. Like he kind of started fixating on it. He needed to save her. And then it became the story yeah. of, yeah. well, who really needs the saving? Yeah. And wow. That sounds really, it's a good really book. great.
1: Yeah. And then there's um, Eliza and her
0: monsters
1: um, by Francesca Zappia. And so In this um, story, Eliza is very shy. Um, She's kind of weird. She's friendless. She wears like shapeless clothing. And honestly, as I was reading, I kind of wondered if maybe she is autistic um, because she has like various or really specific food preferences. Um, She's not a fan of like um, sensory stimulation like really gets to her. When she's online, she's Lady Constellation who is this anonymous creator of a really popular web comic Um, called Monstrous Sea. And so she has like millions of fans. She's actually made a ton of money um, off of merchandise and all this kind of stuff. Um, And she she can't imagine actually enjoying the real world as much as she enjoys her online world, Um, except this new kid transfers into the school. And his name is Wallace. And she, as the more she gets to know Wallace, the more she begins to wonder if life might be worthwhile living offline. Um, but then her secret, you know, the fact that she is this creator of the webcomic web, web comic accidentally gets revealed um, and she starts to kind of lose her grip on reality because she um, becomes very anxious about the fact that, you know, people are seeing her, that people are talking to her. Um and she's not even really sure that she can um, continue to be on this planet. You know, she starts to entertain thoughts of suicide. So, um, the story is about how, you know, she comes to recognize that she can be the same person that she is online at, as she is like in real life. Um, and it, it's just it's it's a very heavy topic. Um, But the way the author writes, and she includes, like, illustrations from the webcomic, because the author herself is also an illustrator. Um, So, and then she's got, you know, screenshots from, like, her online community. Um, And she, it's just, there's a lot of, like, subtle humor. Um, So it's heavy, but it's not... It's not the kind of book that makes you want to like go jump off a cliff when you're done, you know. (laughs) You leave a sense of of hope. Yeah, it has a happy ending. Um, and and both she and and Wallace are able to kind of, um, to battle their monsters, you know, into submission. Um, because Wallace has his own baggage. So, I read it a couple of weeks ago, and I I had to like, I had to like sit with it for a while, um, to kind of let it sink in. Um, and I would definitely, I would recommend that one probably for older teens, um, and adults, I think just because of the, well, I mean, there, there are themes of, of suicide and self-harm in my own book. Um, but I I think it's important to make sure the kids are in a good place, you know, when they read it because sure, you know, um, yeah. So anyway, but those are my three books. So
0: Awesome. And then the other two, they're also young adult books. They are. well, Yeah. All
1: three of them are young adult. And I chose them just because since mine is young adult, I wanted to, you know, pair them with something that went along um, with my book in genre and topic. So, Yeah.
0: And I love that because I think it's all in the same theme of just being human. Yeah. Right. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. So yeah i love that well thank you so much for those three books um and listeners i'll have all those in the show notes and then how i like to end our show actually is with what i call our bonus pairings which are just a speed round of questions so you can answer these really quick are you a rereader? i am yes
1: yeah if a book if a book really impacts me emotionally then yes i will what is one book you've read that has changed your life um oh gosh so many um that's a tough one. Um, probably, I mean, A Tale of Two Cities, probably, which is so okay. bizarre to say. Okay, because people are like Charles Dickens, what? <laughs> um, but it, it's <laughs> the least Dickensian of all his novels, um, and and I think the the message really hit home um, to me. I think of you know the the idea of personal sacrifice, the true meaning of love. Um, you know what it means to really love someone and love them enough to want to um, uh, give them everything that you have, you know, including, including your own life. Um, because I, you know, before I had kids and even still in the early years of having kids, I was kind of a selfish person. I think most of us are, you know, I think when we're younger, we tend to be, you know, more on the selfish side, whether, you know, we end up having kids or not. I think that's just part of being young, um, you know, being in your early twenties, um, and that book really kind of like was a sea change for me about the way I saw life and how I, how I loved the people in my life. So,
0: yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, I nice. love that. I actually, I have never read that one. Oh yeah. So yeah. It's worth in, it. You're inspiring. Yeah, me. no, I mean, book one is a
1: little slow, um, but books two and three are, um, they definitely pick up and it, it's, it's good. It's a good read. Okay. And then where is your
0: favorite place to read?
1: Uh, probably on our back porch actually. Um, okay. yeah, we have a, we have a nice, um, covered back porch area and the wind. I don't know if, I don't know if it's like where we are geographically, but there's like this constant breeze that just kind
0: of runs through the backyard. Nice. Yeah. It's lovely.
1: <laughs> um, so that
0: it's nice. Yeah. Okay. And then last question, what are you reading next? Um, I think, on actually karen mcdowell's book
1: uh new book the prince and the apocalypse just came out um so that is on my on my list um as well as there's a new katie birchall book um that's on my my kindle currently um but i think the prince and the apocalypse is next so
0: okay yeah all right and i guess i said one last question but this is more logistic so if people want to find out more about you how can they find you and where would you like them to reach out yeah
1: um you can find me at, uh, dot com, which is my website. Okay. So it's ginnycoaches.com Um, and that's got all the information of like, you know, who I am and, um, how to get in touch with me, where to find my books. Um, everything's there.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Well, we'll definitely have a link for that in yeah. the show notes as well. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I know your time is precious, and so I appreciate all you've given me. (laughs)
1: Absolutely. Thank you for having me.
0: You are so welcome. Thank you so much for listening to this episode today with Jenny Coaches and her book flight featuring Differently Wired characters. We'd love to hear what other books you'd pair with this book flight at bookishflights.com. That is also where you can find more information on today's flight and any other books that we talked about today. I want to inspire a community of readers. So whenever you share a post about what you are reading or what you are picking up next, especially if you have heard about the book on the show, please tag us. Follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Bookish Flights. This is a brand new show. So if you enjoyed it, please head over to Apple podcasts and give the show a review. Your review not only helps me, but it also helps the show reach others. Make sure you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to make sure that you will not miss an episode. That's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. As Emma Thompson said, I think books are like people in the sense that they'll turn up in your life when you most need them. Cheers to you, dear readers. Until next time.